This podcast was produced by My Podcast Pal. For help with your podcast, check out mypodcastpal.com. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Function Supply Co., your one-stop shop for functional glass art and premium cannabis accessories. Check out Function Supply Co. on Instagram. That's Function with a K. Hey guys, thanks once again for listening to Canadian Cannabis Update. We're a Canadian-based podcast featuring regular news updates and interviews concerning the legalization of cannabis. I realize that I often start my intros by saying something like, Today I have something special. Every time I do a podcast these days, I'm compelled to say it because more and more amazing people are giving me an opportunity to interview them. So to begin with, a huge thank you to everyone who's given me a chance to record their stories so far. Today, however, I have something really special. So for a little background on this interview, it was only about a week ago, someone I was following on Twitter retweeted a post by Danny Danko. He's a High Times editor, and quite frankly, what I like to call cannabis royalty. Danny's written and recently published a new book. So I fired Danny a quick private message asking him if I could interview him about the book, and within minutes, he messaged me back saying, sure. Now, here's the thing. Danny's got over 65,000 Twitter followers, and I'm sure his account's probably blowing up on a regular basis. Anyway, the guy's clearly on it. He's tapped into the scene more than probably anyone I've interviewed yet. He's extremely active, he's articulate, but mostly, he's a freaking nice guy. So before I drive you crazy going on about how excited I was to interview him, why don't we just dive in and hear about not only his new book, but about the man himself. Enjoy. All right, uh, we're here with Danny Danko. He's the senior cultivation editor of High Times Magazine. And if you Google his name, you'll find out he's actually kind of like cannabis royalty. Welcome to the podcast, Danny. Oh, thank you for having me. You had posted something on your Twitter feed a little while back about a new book that you had published called uh, Cannabis, A Beginner's Guide to Growing Marijuana. So I'd reached out to you to find out if you might be able to tell us a little bit about the book and, of course, give the listeners a few tips on growing marijuana from home. Um, You've published two books, I think, on marijuana in general at this point. That's true, yes. Uh, In 2011, I published... uh the High Times Field Guide to Marijuana Strains, which is basically, uh, you know, a bunch of different uh, varieties that are available in seed form or at the dispensary. And, uh, you know, sections of, of those buds as well as uh, how to grow them and what the flowering times are and even, in some cases, uh, where to acquire them. And now in 2018, just actually just September 1st, uh, released Cannabis, A Beginner's Guide to Growing Marijuana. And it's really entry-level beginner book because the laws are changing and it's becoming legal for people to produce their own medicine, uh, cannabis, I wanted to create an accessible guide for people who are just dipping their toe in this because either the prices are too high or they have trouble gaining access to quality cannabis. So um, that was the purpose of the book and it's illustrated. It's meant to be you know, very simple. There's obviously uh, much more complex books out there, uh, like my colleagues uh, Jorge Cervantes and Ed Rosenthal have written. And uh, but they can they can tend to be a little intimidating. So I wanted something just simple, entry level, basic, just to get people started because I do feel like there's a lot of people that are going to be growing their own. 
All right. So uh, we'll get back to the book in a second. I want to take a step back for a moment and ask you about yourself, because uh, like I said in the in the intro, you're all over the Internet. Uh, you're you're a you're a big name in cannabis. Um, but tell me something about yourself that has nothing to do with cannabis. Huh. OK. Uh, well, I was born in the Soviet Union. Uh, I was born in uh, wow. Leningrad, which is now St. Petersburg uh, in the Soviet Union, which is now Russia. So um, that's something maybe not a lot of people know about me. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that, you know, what, you know, my parents coming over here and, and fleeing communism and everything sort of instilled in me is that, you know, we have certain rights. And it just struck me as wrong that cannabis was treated the way it is, obviously. And uh, and so, you know, we fight politically to change the laws, but we also want to encourage people to grow and, and you know, basically overgrow the government in a way because, again, it's not really a partisan issue. It's pretty much, you know, people from all walks of life consume cannabis. And so, you know, being born in, uh, you know, a more oppressive place kind of drew me to understand a little better what our rights are and uh, and how to fight for them. How old were you when you moved over to uh, North America? Uh, just three years old, basically. My parents brought me over in uh, 1975 mm. uh, to America because they, you know, they wanted a better life for their children. And, uh, you know, back then people were turning in their, you know, friends and, and, and relatives because they were, you know, anti-communists and things like that. Right. So, um, and, and there's some parallels to now, you know, where we've created this whole kind of uh, informant culture where people turn in people and, and there's all kinds of uh, issues going on. But, uh, you know, you can see certain parallels there with like, uh, you know, prohibition and uh, oh, yeah. political oppression. So tell me, since your parents come from that part of the world, how do they feel about uh, your relationship with cannabis? Well, it's interesting. They, you know, they were taught, uh, you know, that drugs are bad, and, and, and you know, they basically didn't, you know, had no access to that. The 60s were very different in the Soviet Union than they were here. So they, uh, you know, they were very, uh, you know, unsupportive at first. But now what's interesting is... Uh, you know, my uh, my stepdad has arthritis. He uses uh, CBD cream for his hands. Uh, you know, and I've actually consumed cannabis with with my parents, mm. uh, and they've come to realize that you know, obviously, a lot of different governments have been wrong about this plant and this flower, and uh, you know, it's been a medicine for far longer than it has, uh, as far as you know, the law is concerned, and yeah. and as far as pharmacopoeia is concerned. So. You know, it's, it was just interesting to see, you know, that propaganda sort of fall from their eyes when they realized, hey, you know, maybe the government was wrong about this. See, we obviously, obviously the Soviet government was wrong, but maybe the American government's wrong, too, uh, just as far as lumping in, you know, cannabis with, with hard drugs that, that are actually harmful and, and pharmaceutical drugs and even alcohol and, and nicotine and, and, and even sugar. All these things are far more harmful than cannabis. So, it was interesting to see the, the change in them. And they're, and they're quite proud now that I have stuck to my guns and, and fought for the rights of cannabis consumers. Well, good for you. I'm still working on my parents. Um, <laughs> tell, <laughs> tell us about your relationship with High Times. How did it start? And now what's your current role? Well, uh, I grew up in the Boston area and then uh, moved to New York City uh, around 1995, 96. 
And, uh, you know, I was a, a cannabis enthusiast, to say the least. And at the time, uh, you know, High Times was based out of New York. So uh, I got to know some of the people there, and I was playing for the softball team and sort of you know, part-time uh, working, uh, breaking down boxes, answering the phone, stuff like that. Basically wanted to get my foot in the door because I was a fan. I was a reader. And, you know, it was one of the few companies at the time that even existed in the cannabis world especially on the East Coast of, uh, you know, North America. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and around 2002, uh, I started full-time, basically working in products, working in uh, circulation, answering the phone, <laughs> all of that. And then, uh, uh, you know, little by little, I just started writing for the magazine uh, on the side and uh, writing cultivation pieces as a cultivation reporter. And uh, then my colleague, Kyle Kishman, around 2005 or so, he decided to move to the West Coast and, I became the cultivation reporter and now cultivation editor, senior cultivation editor, and, you know, just little by little, uh, traveling the world, learning about all the different cannabis cultures that exist, you know, all over the globe. And it's, it's been a, it's been a fun trip and, you know, high times has changed a lot in those, uh, almost 20 years. And, you know, we're now 44 years strong wow. uh, in cannabis. So, you know, and and we're going public. <laughs> That's another thing. It's like yeah, I heard that people can yeah people can check out HighTimesInvestor dot com and actually invest for as little as ninety nine dollars in uh, the future of High Times as an entity because you know we're we're obviously growing as cannabis becomes more legal worldwide. You know, we're on top of it, and so you know, and we have our Cannabis Cup events, which have been really amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. When I started, all we did was one cup a year in Amsterdam. Now we're doing uh, a dozen, more than a dozen a year and planning more all over the world, including Canada and Amsterdam, of course, and Spain and Jamaica. So there's lots of growth opportunities, obviously. And, you know, the, the amazing thing about cannabis is if you replace, you know, other vices, let's say alcohol, pharmaceuticals, uh, tobacco, in your life with cannabis, you add years to your life. And that's an indisputable fact. Right. Uh, there's no one really who can dispute that. And it's, it's actually not only adds years to your life, but it adds quality to those years. And I think, you know, now we have uh, seniors coming around, a lot of veterans, a lot of people who are benefiting from cannabis who may not have uh, gone that route had it not, had, you know, had the laws not changed and become more favorable right all right so this is a canadian-based podcast um you're down in the states so i want to ask you i don't know how familiar you are with what's happening in canada but uh, what is your perspective on the legalization issue in canada uh well i mean i'm i'm glad that uh that it's been legalized it's obviously keeping people out of prison keeping uh, people's uh you know records from from being affected and all of that uh, of course, you know, there's large companies that are jumping in and large corporations and they're on the stock market and all of that. Um, so, you know, people are worried, I think, in a certain sense about mm-hmm. the corporatization of cannabis and about all of these larger entities that are, you know, growing in these uh, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of square foot spaces and things like that. Uh, you know, the important thing is in Canada, you're also allowed to grow a certain amount of plants as well. And if you can grow your own or if you can 
uh, link up, let's say, with a co-op or uh, a mom-and-pop uh, type of organization where people get together and grow on a smaller scale for each other. Mm-hmm. I think that's really the wave of the future, and I think that is, that's why the book is, you know, is, 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 you know, in my opinion, well poised, is because I think there's going to be a lot of interest in turning away from some of that corporate uh, mm-hmm. corporatization, mm-hmm. and I think the quality of cannabis is usually better when it's produced in smaller quantities as well. Um, but I, but I am glad that obviously that Canada has legalized, and I think that there's lots of opportunities. And if hey, if people want to consume, you know, mass-produced cannabis, that's perfectly fine too. You know, uh, and those companies have a right to exist and do what they're doing. Uh, but I do think that. Uh, we, we we need options as consumers. So you have you know the opportunity to grow your own. You also have the opportunity to purchase mass-produced cannabis, and you have the opportunity to purchase craft quality small batch cannabis. All right. So let's talk a little bit about um, personal growing uh, as it pertains to your book and your knowledge. I listened to your podcast this morning, episode one hundred and one hundred one. Uh, and they're awesome, by the way. And you give a lot of advice to people on growing. So you're definitely the guy to ask. Firstly, in Canada, uh, with legalization, Canadians will only be able to grow up to four plants personally. How do you feel about that? Well, here's the interesting thing about uh, plant limitations is uh, you're limited in the number of plants you can grow, but you're not limited in the size of those plants. Right. So each plant can can produce a, a, a good amount of cannabis. You just have to have a longer vegetative time and a larger container for the roots. But if you vegetate a plant, you keep it in its vegetative stage for a bit longer, you get a bigger plant. Uh, and so I think, uh, you know, people will adapt uh, to that. And if, if you're legally growing your four plants, there's nothing to stop you from growing four, you know, decent sized plants they don't have to be a certain size and they and and four plants can certainly uh four large plants can certainly uh you know keep a person or even a few people in you know very affordable amounts of cannabis year round right uh when you're growing indoors or even outdoors so i do think that you know even though that's a small amount of plants it doesn't limit the size of those plants and i think there's going to be a lot of people who you know just grow bigger plants and and are able to, uh, you know, produce the thing that they want because if that's the thing is if when you're producing it, you know what pesticides were used, you know what the, what strain you're growing. So if it's particular to a certain symptom uh, that you're targeting, uh, you know what strain it is, you know the terpene profile, and and you can grow it again. And so I think you know that's the important thing is even if you're limited in the amount of plants you can grow, it's still wise to do so or to have someone do so for you if you're not capable uh, uh, or, you know, interested in doing it yourself. So I think it sounds to me like you're saying that four plants technically could be enough for an individual. Um, But I mean, I know this is a super general question, but how much, I guess, cannabis or flower usable product can you actually get out of, say, four plants for a standard grower? Okay, well, uh, reasonably, let's say under, you know, a, a, a grow light, of course, you know, a high-intensity discharge light, like a 400, 600, or a 1,000-watt light, you could reasonably, out of each plant, you know, get a quarter pound, let's say, in a five-gallon bucket okay. every three months or so. So you've got your uh, one month of vegging time and two months of flowering time. Okay. So that's three months there. 
And if you get a quarter pound, let's say four ounces from each plant, you know, that's a pound every three months. Yeah, it's fair amount. Uh, uh, it's more than enough uh, for most people. I don't know, you know, maybe Snoop Dogg or, you know, there's <laughs> Willie Nelson a whole or somebody. Yeah. With you and stuff. It might be, it might be a, a, a little, but uh, to me, that's plenty of cannabis. And, you know, you can turn some of that into concentrates, into topicals, into tinctures. There's lots of different things you can do with not just the flowers, but with the trim, the leaf that you trim off. And, you know, you can make edibles, cannabis butter that you can put on things. And It's uh, limitless. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's clear that, you know, people can grow their own and produce a, a high-quality product for pennies to the dollar and at the same time know exactly what went into it. I think overfeeding is, is, is a big thing, you know, uh, whether it be in, in large gardens or small. I think most people are probably feeding their plants too much too much plant food and, and overwatering as well. And so those are two things you can avoid uh, right off the bat if you produce it yourself. Okay, so what are your thoughts on uh, indoor growing versus outdoor growing? Well, uh, indoor growing is obviously more expensive. Uh, it takes, uh, you know, more energy. And, you know, it's, it's difficult sometimes to control to the environment properly uh, to reduce the amount of heat that's produced by grow lights and, and such. Um, outdoor, you know, you've got that free uh, light, a big grow light in the sky that you can take advantage of. Um, really, the best thing is greenhouse growing, I think, because... To be honest, uh, you can extend your seasons, you can shorten your seasons, you can flower in the middle of summer. Mm-hmm. You have the, uh, the benefits of free sunshine when you, when you need it, but you also have the ability to supplement that light if you want to bring supplemental lighting in there okay. um, for days when you don't have enough sun. So you can really grow year-round, even in cold climates, inside a greenhouse. And without the dust and the rain and all the things that you have to deal with when you're just fully outdoors as well. So really, I think there's pros and cons to indoor and outdoor, um, but I think the greenhouse growing actually really kind of dials it in uh, the best of both worlds. Cool. So can you grow cannabis, uh, arguably, without using any supplements at all? Uh, well, you can if you have a true living soil, and that means that you have to basically uh, add organic material to the soil, and you have to basically build up a, uh, a living soil that has the mycelial and the beneficial bacteria and microbes in there that are basically breaking down nutrients for your plants. Uh, and they have a, a relationship with the roots. So if you have all of that dialed in, it's easier, to, obviously, to do this you know, outdoors or in a greenhouse than it is inside in containers. But mm-hmm. it can be done. And uh, you know, there's ways to sort of reduce your reliance on bottled nutrients but, uh, you know, there's lots of great bottled nutrients out there as well. Okay, so when people grow indoors, I've seen uh, different types of setups online. Um, can you define the word hydroponics? Like, what exactly does that mean? Okay, uh, well, it means that you're growing in water, basically. So you're, okay. you're, you're not using soil uh, to hold the roots in place. You're using uh, an inert medium, such as, you know, grow rocks or rock wool or you know, that sort of thing, basically something that's holding the roots. And then you, you have a reservoir that's basically pumping a nutrient solution to those roots so that they're basically in the water rather than sitting in soil. And, and the benefits of that are you get a, a really fast growth rate okay. as long as things are dialed in. But there's a lot, a lot of, of things you have to concentrate on there as far as uh, the temperature of the water and the pH and, the, you know, the amount of nutrients and so it's it's pretty a technical process. There's a few different uh, 
styles of hydroponics, from nutrient film technique to deep water culture to even, you know, aeroponics where the, the roots just hang in a mist of, of, uh, of nutrient solution. Um, but it's like driving a Ferrari, you know, all those things have to be perfectly dialed in and you have to be pretty good at it to get it right every time. And I think when you're growing in soil or a soilless mix, it's a bit more forgiving. The growth rate might be a little slower, but it's far more forgiving. So if you have a problem in soil, you've got a day or two where you can, you know, kind of come up with a solution. In hydroponics, uh, your plants could be dead within minutes. So, you know, hydroponics is, is basically a style of growing that doesn't require soil uh, and uses basically almost always like some type of nutrient reservoir that's feeding the, the roots directly. Cool. All right. That's pretty clear to me. I've been reading a lot lately that when you when you think you buy something, you're not necessarily getting what you think you're buying in terms of the strain. Is there such a thing these days as a reliable strain? When you invest in something and grow it, are you comfortable believing that you're growing what you think you're growing or is it getting pretty mixed up these days? Oh, uh, no, there's certainly uh, are reliable strains that you can get from uh, from seed banks and breeders that produce them uh, reliably. I mean, I have a high-trained seed bank hall of fame uh, with over 50 different seed banks that have been entered in there since, okay. I think, around 2007. Um, and those are all companies that have been around for years, and they have, you know, customer service, so they respond to complaints, and they deal with uh, any issues that might arise. And then, of course, you know, you have your sort of more fly-by-night operations that are out there that are less reliable. But if you're getting it from a proper source, um, you should be getting what you're asking for. Well, you know, of course, there's a lot of mislabeling going on. And, and what's great is there's companies like Phylos Bioscience out of uh, Portland, Oregon, that are actually really uh, mapping the, you know, the genes and, and figuring exactly... Uh, what strains belong in, in what strain families. And if you go to their website, you can see these different universes, like a three-dimensional representation of different cannabis varieties and, and where they line up with each other. Uh, it's quite interesting, and I think in the future we're going to see even more reliability as far as that goes and, you know, less reliance on strain names and even the divisions between indica and sativa mm-hmm. and more of a scientific look at terpene profiles and how they relate to uh, THC to create the different feelings that we feel from different strains and, and, and the different flavors and, and scents that we experienced as well. Can you give us a shout out? Like if, if I wanted to start growing, uh, say this winter, um, can you recommend three or four companies or, or online sites that I can look at for information or for equipment or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, certainly hightimes.com is a great place to start because uh, we've got lots of free uh, information there for beginners on getting started. You know, uh, don't trust everything you read on the Internet, but there's definitely some uh, some good sources. And as far as seeds go, I'd go, uh, particularly, you know, for Canadians, maybe you want to get something that's related to the climate and maybe even bred in Canada. So there's a, a number of companies up there that have been around for years, like Next Generation Seed Company and, mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of others uh, I can think of that are, uh, you know, Canadian companies. And then there's a lot of companies throughout North America and throughout Europe that provide great genetics. But there's also, you know, you can get clones now at dispensaries. And I'm, I think pretty soon you'll be able to get clones in the mail from uh, some of these licensed producers in Canada 
as well as equipment for growing, like grow boxes, like the BC Northern Lights grow boxes that are actually made in, in Vancouver and, you know, basically dial in everything. I mean, they've got touchscreen technology and wow. they control the whole... Yeah, it's an it's a interesting system that they've developed over a decade of uh, building grow boxes. And, you know, and, that, and if, if you want a, a cheaper alternative, there's grow tents that are available that also have lighting equipment and air filtration equipment and all of that included, such as Hydro Grow and a number of other you know, outlets that are out there that provide tents with kits, you know, that have everything you need to set up. And, and one person in most cases can uh, put these tents up and take them down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, and, you know, that's a great place to start. Really seems like the uh, evolution of the cannabis world is growing exponentially these days. I mean, when you mentioned touchscreen and everything else, that, that's impressive. Um, final question about growing. Anything a new grower should avoid? Well, uh, you know, uh, avoid, uh, I mentioned overfeeding and overwatering. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are probably the two biggest mistakes. And then, you know, avoid harmful pesticides. Avoid, you know, things like miracle Grow, really like simple uh, chemical solutions. You know, look to, look to replicate nature as much as, as possible mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and enjoy it. Have fun. You know, and, and avoid ever thinking that you're an expert. I mean, there's always new things to learn. And I'm, I visit grow rooms for a living. I go to big and small and enormous and tiny. And it's the people who are happy doing what they do and constantly learning new things that, that have the cleanest spaces and that have the most innovative techniques and all that. And, you know, so don't rest on laurels and, and just, you know, avoid thinking that you know it all. And there's no one perfect way to do it. You know, there's lots of different ways, and, and they can be geared to your personality and, and, and what, you're, what you're looking for. That's probably the best answer, actually. Um, can you tell us quickly about your podcast before we close? Yeah, the podcast is called uh, High Times Presents Free Weed from Danny Danko. So basically, we just call it Free Weed. And the idea is to teach people to grow and we interview all kinds of different people from the cannabis world. Uh, most of them have to do with growing, uh, breeders and that sort of thing. But we also have people from uh, the political world, people from organizations such as Normal, who uh, talk about, you know, what's going on politically. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of uh, grow Q&A, so we answer people's questions. We have a strain of the fortnight where every couple of weeks we discuss a particular strain. So, you know, and we have some fun, myself and my co-host, Mike, uh, we're on, like you mentioned, episode uh, 101 mm-hmm. at this point. And, uh, you know, we've had a lot of great, we've had Tommy Chong, and we've had a lot of great guests on the show, a lot of people I respect in the industry. And, and I feel like we've got some pretty good interviews there and some good information. Uh, and it's free. And you can listen to it in the car or in the grow room when you're working in the, in the room or trimming or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is you might be working on, jogging. Yeah, absolutely. I listened to this morning actually jogging myself. It was perfect. Um, How can we find you online or reach out to you? Well, Instagram is Danny Danko HT and Twitter and Facebook is just uh, at Danny Danko. And the book is available on Amazon. My articles and and things for uh, online are at hightimes.com. Uh, there's HighTimesInvestor.com, and we also recently just launched TV.HighTimes.com, which is our alternative to YouTube because YouTube was uh, kicking off uh, Q2 
cannabis content and demonetizing people who had millions and millions of views. And so uh, at High Times, we created uh, High Times Television basically as an online alternative to YouTube that you will definitely not get kicked off of for cannabis content. So, yeah, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Amazon.com for the book, and HighTimes.com is where I live. You're definitely all over the internet. It's it's very convenient. <laughs> um, any final thoughts and uh, maybe your thoughts on uh, legalization of cannabis in Canada? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think as we continue to legalize, there's three things we should consider, uh, three major things. One is releasing any nonviolent marijuana prisoners that are locked up and expunging people's records and basically freeing these peaceful people that have paid the price for, you know, these unjust laws. Um, so that's one. Two is uh, we have to maintain our ability to grow our own because that's one way we can keep cannabis in the hands of the people. Mm-hmm. And then three is social use. We need places where we can get together and consume cannabis uh, as a culture because we're a diverse culture. We're from all walks of life, and we share this this thing. And, and people who drink have bars to go to. People, you know, who like opera, go to the opera house. And we want places where we can go and congregate and get together with like-minded people and consume cannabis because there's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's a supplement. It's a great thing for people. It's not for everyone, obviously, but it is a good thing. It should be legal uh, worldwide. And so let's, you know, let's keep the fight going and let's celebrate and uh, protest at the same time. Words of wisdom for sure. Well, in your 100th podcast, you guys had mentioned a short list of the people that uh, you're very proud of having on your podcast. And I got to tell you, this one's right on top of my list. So I just want to say thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me and uh, tell us about your book and growing cannabis. Thank you so much. Uh, Thanks for the opportunity and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks for listening to Canadian Cannabis Update. If you want to find out more about what we do, check us out on Twitter at CanCanUpdate, Facebook, Instagram, and every podcast streaming related site in the known universe. If you have a story that you'd like to share about the cannabis space, we'd love to hear from you. Hit us up at CannabisUpdate.ca or email CanadianCannabisUpdate at gmail.com. The next podcast is just around the corner. Stay tuned. Canadian Cannabis Update is a regularly published podcast. We do our very best to remain as accurate as possible, but take no responsibility for inaccurate details or facts. If a story interests you, we're glad to have brought it to your attention, but take the time to research the details for yourself.